0: I wonder if that's too because people don't realize maybe what is possible, like what is really truly possible with a human body. It's like Kipchoge says that, you know, no one is limited. Hey,
1: and welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. It's the first episode of June. We are in summer and it is the last episode before I attempt to break my marathon PR. So stay tuned for a recap next week. I cannot believe it's here already and that a whole year has gone by since I last tried to do this. And let me tell you, the desire to get back into the long, long trails is equally as strong. Maybe not, maybe if not stronger than it was last year. And it's been really fun. If you want to hear the blog post about the training leading into it, that's all on Patreon for the Trail Running Women podcast and you can find that in my bio in the link in Instagram which is Hillsport55. So today's guest is somebody who I had reached out to on Instagram a little bit. I've been following them for a while and then I had honestly three or four other people say, hey, would you speak to Callie? And I'm so glad that even with The amount she has on her plate and all of the things that she's doing that she did agree to chat with us. So huge thanks to Callie for her time. So she has a pretty amazing story. So Callie was living in Chicago about a decade ago and weighed over 377 pounds. And she one day was invited out for brunch and realized that she couldn't walk the mile that it would take to get there. And it was like, from my perception, like a switch went off and realized so much freedom is taken away from you if you are not healthy enough to do the things that you love to do. And since then, she has just been on a rampage of getting faster, running farther, doing amazing things, as well as kind of keeping the weight loss journey in perspective for people that it was not just about how she looked, it's about... That freedom and getting that back. And she is huge on Instagram for body acceptance and how your body looks after a huge transformation like that, and just being excited about the running and the things that she's able to do now. And I was really drawn to that because for me, fitness is the ability to do things and go places on your feet that you otherwise wouldn't get to. And I think there's so much there, and it's Sometimes maybe take it for granted until you hear how easy it is actually to lose that if you're not diligent diligent about working towards it. So she went from that weight, lost 200 pounds, and ran races up to 240 miles, Moab specifically. The cool thing about our conversation is we are chatting just before she goes to her last training camp for Western States 100, and... Uh, her training has been awesome. I think she's going to do amazing. So please be sure to follow her along and cheer her in that race too. And her partner is also running it. So that is pretty cool. So you can find her at Callie Vinson and I'll on Instagram and I will link to all of that in the show notes as well. Before we get into it, just a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Janji. So Janji Apparel is dedicated to exploring, connecting and giving back through running. And they have A wide variety of trail and road running essentials focused on sustainability, durability, and performance. But my personal favorite is the colors. I'm actually wearing one of the purple and yellow super bright tops as I am recording this. The other thing I love about them is it's a very lightweight, breathable material, very comfortable for running, tennis, cross training, and podcasting as it turns out so they also have multi shorts and trail shorts and all of them have five or more pockets so that if you aren't in a place where you have a vest with you you still have the ability to carry everything that you need including your gels sunglasses whatever it is the other really cool thing is that they really focus on clean water and two percent of top line sales go back to supporting clean water organizations around the world. So that is something I think is so important. If we are finding so much happiness in the mountains, in the trails, then it's sort of our responsibility to also help give back. So I love that Janji is doing that. And if you want to go to janji.com and use discount code TRW15 at checkout, you will get 15% off your first outfit. So you can find some of their Close on my Instagram at Hillsport55. Reach out for recommendations and use discount code TRW15 for 15% off at checkout. Huge thanks to everybody who's leaving ratings and reviews. And if you have ideas for guests, please do find me on Instagram and send me a note on who you would like me to chat with. If you have topic ideas, want me to do a solo cast on anything, I love hearing from you guys and I love the community we have built. So please do continue. Okay, that's all I'll say for now. Here's Callie. I have a guest that I have wanted to have on the show for a while, actually, who is running some amazing races, training, has an amazing body diversity um, Instagram that we can follow, but you're also pretty funny. Uh, So you're kind of (laughs) ticking a lot of boxes. So welcome to the show, Callie. Hi. Yes. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. So the one thing that I was finding the most when I was looking into a bit of your history is all of your success And your story is all pretty compact. Like all of this has happened quite quickly, hasn't it?
0: It has. Yeah. I would say my journey started, um, well, I would say like my health wellness journey started in 2013 and then running journey started in 2016. So what would that be like seven years ago? Yeah. So seven years ago and I've been a trail runner for about two years.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So like just kind of hitting your stride, no pun intended, and then COVID hits. So obviously it's just like a lot to dig into with motivation and how to continue. So I'm excited to get into all of that. Uh, yep. but before we do, you're currently you're 35, 36. Yes. 36, okay. Back. Yeah. Same, same. Um, I'm 37. So it's all the same now. It's we're always yeah, 35 it is. Yes. <laughs> it really so, is. before 2013. If we go back to kind of your life as a kid and a brief history of sports, you played, um, growing up, high school, elementary, that kind of thing. Were you an active kid exposed to athletics? What did that look like for you?
0: Yeah. So when I was a kid, um, like kid, kid, I loved soccer, but I only loved it because I could be the goalie and I didn't have to run very much. And I, I mean, I was, I love soccer and I love that sort of sport, but I love doing it where I didn't have to run, <laughs> which is kind of funny when you think about today, but that theme kind of, followed me as I grew up. I, I just never liked running. Um, then I got into rowing and I really loved rowing because I I grew up in Florida and it's hard to not be around a lake. So you're just, you're always around water. And I tried other sports in water, like um, swimming and diving. I didn't really like it, but I loved rowing because again, you don't have to run very much because you're in a boat. <laughs> and I, I love that sport so much. I actually almost went to Berkeley to be a rower there But took a hard right turn, like right at the last minute, and decided I want to go to art school and went to art school and dropped sports altogether and went a a totally different direction with my lifestyle just being super unhealthy and and whatnot. And um, yeah, so it's funny when you think about it. I was a kid, well, a kid who hated running, but loved sports, loved being active, loved being outside, getting dirty, playing in the mud, and then going into college, being an art student, didn't do any of that. And then now I'm Today, back as a, a kid at heart, always playing the dirt outside, <laughs> running. Now, though, that is like
1: there's a couple things there. That, that first is such a common story where like you get to college and everything changes. There's going to mm-hmm. be something to change the culture of that actually. Um, mm-hmm. And then trail running, especially right, that's part of I think the draw to it is sort of this like childlike wonder that you get when you're in the trails and like you describe mm-hmm. it so well in the in the dirt and just outside and you feel connected. Mm-hmm. Yes, hundred percent. So if we go back to kind of your college experience, I mean, it's not specifically art school. I played a sport in university and I still gained weight and got super unhealthy. It's just yeah. kind of what.
0: So yeah. when you talk
1: talk about the healthy habits um, that I know kind of escalated for you, um, what type of habits were were those?
0: Yeah. So when I was in college, I mean, I lived this totally just art student exploring the whole world kind of lifestyle and was out partying all the time. And I mean, I ate out all the time too. I would hit up, you know, a fast food restaurants three times in a day. And I also worked at a restaurant, so that didn't help either. I mean, the the my world was just consumed by like being this, I don't know, creative individual who was experimenting and discovering themselves and just like, Totally don't regret that because I think that was a pitiful, pivotal moment in my life, which I value and um, I'm so glad I did. But I, I just, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh man, like if I had just done like a little bit more, if I had just like been a little bit healthier in the choices that I made or just went outside a little bit more. I never did any of that, but I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know if fell off the wagon is the right phrase, but I just went into this very unhealthy downward spiral in college and it just... Like, it it kept going and kept going until after college and after grad school, moved to Chicago, continuing this lifestyle, and got an internship there. And, you know, I'm, you moved to the big city of Chicago, and I had all these big dreams and all these ambitions that I wanted to go after and realized that I couldn't do very many of them because of this lifestyle and because I was so overweight. I think my heaviest weight was 377, almost 400 pounds, and that just inherently put a limit on my life and a limit on the things that I could do. Um, and I always tell people the the moment that changed everything was one of my friends asked to go to brunch one day. And of course, I was the type who would look on Yelp and see all the pictures and, and find out what I wanted to order beforehand. And he said, oh yeah, we can just walk there. And I looked up how far it was and it was a mile. And I was in my mind, I was like, there's absolutely no way I could walk a mile to go to brunch. And so that became this big red flag that ultimately changed everything, changed, yeah, everything and made me into the person I am today, I guess. That was a start. That was a starting line. (laughs) Wow. So
1: what was it about that? Was it instant when you looked at that map and realized there's no way you could walk there? Or how did that sort of sink in for you?
0: It, It was kind of like a slow sink in. Like I realized, oh my gosh, I can't walk to brunch and then it just made me start thinking about all these other things that I couldn't do like oh sure I can't walk to brunch but I couldn't like go to a festival because that would mean standing around all day I couldn't wear this outfit because maybe it would it would like there was weird things like it would hurt because the strap was too tight or something or those shoes would hurt because they would slide around and my feet were a lot larger than they are now so all these like weird things that just put limits on all the stuff I could do. And so once I started, I that once that like officially sunk in, then it became okay, well, what do I do? Like, how do I change this? And so I decided because up until then, of course, I tried to make changes, but it was always like these big overhauls that just led to failure and then led to losing that momentum or motivation. And so My next thought was, okay, well, what if I just start with something very small? And so I decided, okay, I'm going to start packing my lunch every day. I'm going to, it could be what I want it to be, but I'm going to learn how to make it. I'm going to learn to make it maybe a little bit healthier and bring it in. And so that became my thing that I tried doing for two weeks. And once two weeks of consistency of doing that one small thing, then I added on another small thing and another small thing. And so all these little things, just started to compile to completely change my lifestyle, and one of those was joining a gym. I hadn't been a, hadn't been a part of a gym in a, in a really long time, ever since you know when I was playing sports early on. But I went to the gym, and I was like, you know what? I just have to go for like thirty minutes, and that's it, maybe like three times a week. And so again, just small little adaptations to my lifestyle that inevitably added up to become the big overhaul that I saw as a vision but knew that I needed to make the small changes to get to that big big change
1: yeah it sounds like sort of like when you have an alcoholic or or something Mm -hmm. to that degree where they want to change all the time but Mm -hmm. until their mind flips to the point where there's no going back it Mm -hmm. just doesn't work and you sort of have to get to that rock bottom essentially I guess
0: I don't know if I would want to describe your situation Mm -hmm. like that but similar right Oh yeah, it it has to be something that, like you said, flips the switch and then becomes the priority over everything else. So this this mission that I was on became bigger than hanging out with friends. It became bigger than my career. It became bigger than you know going out to happy hour on a Friday because of everyone else was going. It became the thing that had to that had to be the ultimate decision. Like, no, I'm going to choose my health. No, I'm going to choose to go home and, and make dinner and sleep, you know, a full eight or nine hours that night versus going out and getting a couple hours a night and then just like falling off the wagon for the weekend. So as soon as I decided, okay, this has to be the thing that, that basically is above all else. Then it finally started to change because, yes, like I said, you know, I, I started to try and change earlier in life, but it was never the top priority. Friends or friends were or going out or being, you know, in the scene was. And so that always ended up winning. But once I decided, no, this has to be the priority, then it finally started to change.
1: Yeah. And I like what you said, where it wasn't like you were feeling shame about your size, but Mm-mm. the lack the lack of freedom and the the restriction on what you were able to do um, Mm -hmm. comfortably was, was the catalyst. So I like that it sort of came from within. And I think that is another important factor instead of somebody telling you you're not the right size. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It, it never really was about like, Oh, I just want to do this to look thinner. or I want to do this to like, I don't know, be seen a certain way. It was like, no, because of this lifestyle, I can't do these things that I want to do. And yeah, that, that ultimately became what you know drove me to to actually change so when you started going
1: to the gym and started working out was running involved right away or how did you eventually get into running Mm -mm.
0: no so like I mentioned I, I always hated running but that was something that was always just kind of like burning in the back of my brain like I hate this thing I really do but if I I always felt like if I could conquer running then I felt like I had the superpower to conquer anything that I wanted to set out, you know, and and do in my life. And so once I started building a little momentum in the gym, you know, doing the elliptical or maybe walking on the treadmill or doing the the stair climber, which became a fave machine of mine, um, I, I decided, okay, I think it's time we can start this. We can start trying this running thing that I see all the people do. And I went to my local Fleet Feet and I got fitted for shoes. It was a Nike Pegasus, like the classic running shoe. And I started running only in the dark because I was afraid of what people might think. Like, do I even look like a runner? They're going to think, oh my gosh, she's not using the right running form. She's not wearing the right thing. What is she doing? This person's crazy. Um, which is funny because Chicago is just full of crazy people running around. So I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, um, but I started running just in the dark, like super early in the morning or late at night after work and just running around the block and running around the block without stopping became my first little goal. Like if I can just do this. Um, then I can move on to going farther and a little farther and a little farther. And it took a while. It took a long time to just one, figure out that I don't have to sprint around the block. (laughs) I can go at at a leisurely pace. Um, and two, it took me a long time to figure out, like, how much should I add to to progress or to, to build any kind of fitness. Um, and, of course, I was, you know, the silly runner who built too quickly and, and got injured and I had got a stress fracture in my knee, which was very weird and it hurt so bad. Um, like-
1: underneath your kneecap or where yeah
0: it was a it was um a hairline fracture like around the kneecap I can't remember exactly where I probably have X-ray photos somewhere MRI photos but it, it hurt so bad <laughs> and um I you know I, I I took some time to rest from running and and anything that was too high impact to let it heal and as soon as it was I was like okay I'm getting back on this horse and I'm gonna try this again and eventually I just I I I did more research online and figured out, um, like a running plan. And, um, cause I was way too afraid to go run with any training groups or with any other people. And, and so I just did this all by myself, but yeah, just slowly started building miles, slowly started getting better, more confident, more comfortable running, maybe picked up some actual running clothes. And I, I just kept at it. And one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and run 13.1 miles because I hear that's what half marathon is. And I went out and I did it around Chicago and, and got back home and ate the biggest stack of pancakes I've ever had. And it was amazing. And I felt so good and accomplished and going farther became like this mission, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then the focus is on the positive and what you're
0: gaining, not what, like the weight that you're losing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's
1: just so much easier long-term, right? Because it's also fun.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it became so fun to me because I had never explored Chicago or anywhere on my own two feet ever. It's always been, you know, getting there by car, getting there by train or bus or taxi or whatever. And so having this like another little superpower to go explore Chicago and see all these places. And one day, all on my feet became this like cool factor that I just... Became infatuated with and exploring Chicago in a whole different way. Um, Later on in my running journey, um, I think, yeah, it was during the pandemic, you know, all of us were trying to find new ways to invent running and make it fun because no races were happening. Um, There's so many murals around Chicago. And so I created these like little. Races, party of one just for myself around chicago where i would go mural hunting like going to find all the murals by this one artist and go like tag them take pictures um to document the journey and i ended up doing that for a 50k for this one artist who i absolutely loved in chicago and i don't know exploring the city and just being able to do that and and do it all on with my body just became like so motivating for me i guess
1: Yeah. Because that to me is like the definition of freedom, which is exactly what you were trying to find this whole
0: mission. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. I love that. What about from the outside perspective? So when you are starting to run enough, fast enough that you get knee fractures, um Mm -hmm. or lose a bunch of weight rapidly was there any concern from like friends family or did you have
0: any noise from the outside while you were doing all this oh like as as I was losing the weight very quickly You mean
1: yeah and then also running so much that you would get an injury Mm -hmm. and sometimes I mean I think some of it sometimes is jealousy of people who want to make a change and aren't able to Mm -hmm. and then especially with running there just seems to be sometimes this like obsessive connotation even if I mean, I guess it is kind of addictive, but um
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like it's either you're oh, yeah yeah. What, I, I somebody thinks you're doing something
0: wrong. Yeah. No, I, I definitely felt that um from friends or just acquaintances, like, oh my gosh, you're you did 20 miles. Didn't you just do like 18 last weekend or something? It, you know, it'd be little comments like that, or oh my gosh, you're signing up for another marathon. You you did one and it's like yeah, I want to do it again. <laughs> um, and a lot of it too was from people who I guess aren't runners or, or don't run. And because a lot of my friends who um I just established a friendship with at the get-go in Chicago were people who lived the same lifestyle as I did um when I first got there. And it was later on that I started picking up running friends and finding, you know, this whole new community that I didn't realize was out there. And yeah, some people were just like, I can't believe like you're, you're, you're going after another like marathon or you're doing a 50 miler or whatever, a hundred miler. Um, and sometimes I wonder if that's too, because people don't realize maybe what is possible, like what is really truly possible with the human body. It's like Kipchoge says that, you know, no one is limited. Um, which became kind of a a motivator for me. Like I want to find my limit and, you know, We probably never will because there's always something cool and extreme and fun to do. But yeah, going back to if like friends were kind of worried or concerned about the waiter or the miles, I think it was more awe and inspiration than anything. People were like, oh, my gosh, like you're actually doing it. You're actually, you know, you you always read about those people who do like the extreme weight who go through extreme weight loss journey or, or go and run a hundred miles, but to have your friend, like, or your coworker do it, it's like, Oh my gosh, like this is actually happening right next to me. Um, I felt more yeah, of that such than, than anything point. else. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. That, yeah. And I think that's, that's just promising that that's how people can view it also. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I find super cool about your story is that it wasn't a bunch of couch to 5Ks for years and years and years. You just clearly wanted to go for the really long stuff right away. So yeah. talk us through your decision to sign up for your first race and what it was.
0: Yeah, so so after that 13.1 miles around Chicago, it was shortly after that, I was standing on the L platform waiting for the train. And the Red Eye newspaper, it was like the cool newspaper that talked about all the, all the stuff happening in the city and on the cover – they were talking about the Chicago marathon that weekend. And I was like, Oh my God, like people are, are running the Chicago marathon. That's insane. And then my next thought was like, I have to run a marathon. And so some time passed when and, and did some research on like how to actually train for a marathon or like, how do you get in for the Chicago marathon, for instance. And because I lived there and I was surrounded by it and I had gone and spectated it before. Um, I just, it became this, Thing that I, I just had to do, and I found um, a, a group that I could join through uh, a, a no kill animal shelter in Chicago called PAWS. They have a running team called um, Team PAWS, and if you run with them, you fundraise and you get you know your your entry into the Chicago Marathon. And so I joined and I got my my bib, and I, that was my happened to be my first official race ever was the, the 2016 Chicago Marathon, and. I remember standing in the corral, just wondering if I had actually pinned my bib on right because I'd never done that before, but it was such an amazing experience. And I was just so like in awe of the energy that day and the day before and after, and just the the people running and the people cheering. And it was just like, is this really happening? And my mom, so still to this day, the only race that my mom has um, come out and seen, and still to this day, she talks about it like, I can't believe you did that. Um, in Chicago and yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I agree because it's, you can run so many hundred miles and all of these things, but you kind of lose the shock factor, but going Mm -hmm. out and doing a road marathon first without experiencing (laughs) other races is totally bananas. It's awesome. And I think that is the inspiring thing for people too, because that get really gives out the like, why not me kind of vibe. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, why It's so funny. Like you think that, and it probably is a smart idea to, you know, follow a linear path, of <laughs> slowly progressing your, your race distance. But if like your heart is set on something and, and if you truly believe that you can get it done. And I always say like, if there's a will, you'll find a way, um, mm-hmm. then why not? You know, we never know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week. So if something's out there that you just won't have to go after, and it's calling to you, like, go, just go have fun, do it, try, why not?
1: (laughs) So do you remember that race at all and how you felt and what it was like during that
0: last six miles and all the good stuff that happens with the marathon? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) up until then in my training plan, which was from Hal Higdon's marathon book, um, my longest distance I had gone was 20 miles and it was maybe like three weeks beforehand or so. And so once you get to 21, you're like, Oh my God, this is Whole new territory. You don't know what your body is about to do, and you've still got six more miles to go. And I remember just running down um, the God, I forgot the name of that street for this last six miles, but it's this pretty straight street, and it just seems like it goes forever and ever and ever. But I mean, on the inside, I was dying, but on the outside, I was just so like ecstatic to be there and to be amongst all these people who were also running a marathon that day. And it was just so mind blowing to me. And then also just the amount of spectators out there. I mean, there are millions of people who spectate that race and it's, it's not quiet at all throughout the entire race. There's no silence. There's no space where a spectator could possibly fit. Um, it's just, it's, there's just so much energy. And after that, I was of course like, trembling to the grass to go sit down (laughs) but um I remember thinking like I I definitely want to do that again it was it was never a feeling of like I'm never doing that again it was like I got to do that again (laughs) that's awesome because
1: that's rare I think everybody quits with running
0: um oh yeah oh no I definitely definitely felt that after and during my 200 miler I, I it took two weeks or Yeah, probably two weeks until I was like, well, maybe. But up until then, I was like, nope, never again.
1: Just want to take a second to thank our next sponsor, AG1. This nutritional supplement is something that I take every single day because it supports my whole body health. So I gave it a try because I definitely am not somebody who will stick with all of the vitamins and minerals in different pill formats. I need it to be easy. I need it to be absorbed quickly, and I need it to taste good. So it's now something that I definitely crave, especially during summer as it heats up. I'm putting it, mixing it the night before and putting it in the fridge. So the first thing I do in the morning is have a delicious cold drink of AG1. And since I've started taking it, I have noticed that I do not get every single cold or flu that my son brings home from daycare. And that has been the most unexpected bonus. And enough on its own to continue taking it but I also feel like the probiotics and prebiotics have helped with my gut health so much and I'm so thankful for that. Obviously with running that is something that we need to dial in and and I love that I sort of start the day off with a sense of accomplishment that I've already put 75 high quality ingredients into my body to start the day off right and give myself everything that I need to perform at my best. So, If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com backslash trwp. That's drinkag1.com backslash trwp and check it out. So that's, yeah, that's where I want to go next. So you run this marathon. And then I know you've done 100 miles since and and 200 milers. So how did you find the trails? And then how did you get into the super duper long stuff?
0: Yeah. So so what was that? 2016. And then I moved out of Chicago, 2021. So five years of running on roads in Chicago. And sometimes I'd venture out to the trails um, around the city. I didn't have a car in Chicago because you just don't really need one. So I never went too far because it was always like a rental car to go run on trails, and the trail was very smooth. It was like crushed limestone stone stone, uh, flat road trail. So it was never like the trail experience that I have here now in Arizona. So I I would always I would say I was always a road runner in Chicago, and then 2021 I moved to Arizona. I had done 50 milers and 100 milers till then, but two years ago was when I first started trail running and I still to this day, I'm a very clumsy trail runner. I like to say I'm like a newborn giraffe out there. Cause I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm ten, So I'm still figuring out my limbs on the trail. I don't really know how to, I don't know how to work them yet. <laughs> and my That's feet, fair. yeah, my feet really don't know where they're supposed to go. We, we just kind of shuffle along, but um, yeah, I'm not a very good trail runner, but I love it because it just, like, again, it takes you to so many cool places before it was in, you know, surrounded by skyscrapers. But now it's surrounded by mountains and canyons and cactuses and uh, caves and all, everything in between. And it's just so uh, motivating to even if it's slow, and I fall to get to somewhere where, you know, very few people have gotten to and so just being out here and discovering that. Um, and then also the time ta- at the same time, knowing that there are so many like 200 mile races around here. Um, I knew that I, I had to eventually sign up for one, but it, it took maybe what a year for me to, to get from moving here to sign up for, or no, starting my first 200 miler or 250 for Cocodona. Um, and then finally completing it in last, last October. Yeah. The Moab 240, <laughs> but it's been a journey going from, you know, my first road marathon to a, a Moab 240. Um, and I'm still learning how to be a trail runner, but it, the more I get into these ultra long distance ultras, um, I think that's where I want to stay. Yeah. I don't
1: think it matters. It's just about no, I it doesn't. Feel running on those trails exactly. I would like to know, you talked about kind of like, you just read this book to train for a marathon. How did you get more knowledge to training for 100 miles is a big thing a lot of people need a coach and then to go Mm -hmm. ahead and double it plus more how -hmm. are you learning about how to train for those things and even break us down like a week or two of your normal kind of training program training for
0: 200 miles because
1: it is so much volume
0: to also Mm -hmm. not get
1: injured during training that's a pretty hard
0: balance yeah Mm -hmm. so training for my or training for hundreds I picked up the next like iconic book for ultra marathon runners, Relentless Forward Progress, because in there they have training plans for 100K. I think also 50 mile. Yeah, 50 mile, 100K, and 100 mile. And so I just followed that. Um, I still to this day, I just I like running solo, so I never trained with a group or like picked up knowledge from running with a group. It was just kind of whatever I could find online, um, and just kind of like figuring it out as I go. I guess that's kind of been a theme for, for me because when I moved from college, Savannah, to Chicago, I just I moved with two suitcases and told myself, well, we're just going to figure it out as we go. And when I moved here, it was kind of the same thing. I just like picked up me and my stuff and my dog and moved here and said, well, we're just going to figure it out because it was a year after lockdown, but still and the pandemic. And it was just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? life's short and we're just gonna follow this because that's kind of where my heart set out to but yes training for the 100 miler um I followed that book and followed almost down to a t to a point where like if I if my body was aching I would still go out and do those miles because I didn't have a coach I didn't have anyone to talk to I just followed what you know the rule book said and which is very different from how I train today. I I very much so listen to my body and, and take notes and adapt my training schedule. And I have a coach now who's my, my boyfriend. (laughs) Um, but back then I I never had a coach and, um, just kind of listened to whatever I could find in that book and, and train based on that and training for the hundred. It was very similar to training for, oh, I say this in people will probably be like, no way. Very similar to how I trained for a marathon. I would do like easier runs, um, on weekdays, maybe like one workout on a weekday. And then Saturday, Sunday weekend would be dedicated to -to back-to-back long runs. Whereas the marathon training, it was like long run Saturday, maybe like six miles, eight miles on Sunday. Whereas hundred miler, it was like 20 miles on Saturday, 21 or 24 miles on Sunday. So just training for, you know, like a rehearsal, what you're going to, what you're going to go through during the race. You're going to be tired at the start, um, and that morning. And I'm the type who's going to finish the next day. So I would train as if I had to keep running the next day. Um, so that's kind of the the strategy I followed for a hundred. And then yeah, training for a 200 when I, when I, some people ask me like, Oh man, what's like any tips for training for a 200. And it's so complicated because, I don't know. Two hundreds are such a different beast because of how long they are. Yes, one and also just like the stuff you have to carry is so different from a two hundred to a or to a, from yeah from a two hundred from to a one hundred. The many of nights you have to go like in a one hundred, I don't sleep or nap or anything, and in, in a two hundred, you absolutely have to. So that's another factor. Fueling for me is way different, um, and. I could probably think of like five other things, but my my mind is blanking. But yeah, training for a two hundred, I kind of do the same thing as I do for a one hundred, in that weekends are dedicated to back to back to back long run. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would dedicate to you know like eight hours, five hours, another eight hours. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and that's also something I've transitioned to to do is is run based on time versus miles. And I felt like that has really helped not only in my mindset, but just, or not only in my mindset to like take the pressure off, but also, um, to just, I don't know, it's, it's just helped a lot to like, make me feel like, okay, I'm going to go out for five hours. And what I get done is what I get done. Whereas before it was like, all right, I have to go out and get 24 miles. And if I'm at 22, I've got to keep going. And, and I don't know that, that mindset just didn't really help for me but the the hour based has really helped um for 200 mile racing and now training for western states 100 mile racing
1: yeah i totally get that and i think it also helps with if you are in very hilly terrain because mm-hmm. you could give somebody 20k and it could take them like 5 hours in the pacific northwest it really depends mm-hmm. on where they go yeah. um Yeah. And I think everybody's a bit different. I've got some other, I coach some athletes and some of them need to have that number Mm -hmm. on their plan and know that they've completed it um, Mm -hmm. instead of just the time. But it sounds like you're kind of coming backwards from the experience where you already know you can do it too. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of, um, I like a mixture. Yeah. That's a a side note. Cause it's just, it's fun to be like some days I need to run this distance and some days I just look at the time and you don't even care. So, um, that's a fun point.
0: I will say, yeah, the more that I've learned about how different people train and I hear about it all the time. Like I said, my boyfriend's a coach and I I hear some of the stuff that they talk about and like the different ways that people train. I think, yeah, the more that you know, like the tools and the different uh, skills going into training, the more you can adapt to like what's comfortable or what you want to get out of that day or what you want to um, like, like what, what what kind of workout do you want to do on Tuesday and how's that going to affect your, your Friday and I think just like the more pieces of the puzzle I've, I've learned and picked up the better I am at being able to like put them down and, and figure out the best week plan for myself and it is really helpful to also be adaptive too um, because say like we go out on Friday night because there's a show we want to see, and usually I would train at like 6 a.m. on Saturday, but okay, now we're going to make that into like a, a, a heat training day later in the day so we can sleep longer. So yeah, it's so funny, all these little um, kind of levers you can play with in training to really maximize your, your weekly training plan. Yeah, to maximize
1: your training plan, but also to maximize your enjoyment of life. Because oh, 100%. <laughs> you
0: know
1: what I mean? Like, so yeah, you've got mm-hmm. kids, you want to get sleep, we can and that I think is such a great point, because a lot of people and it's happened a lot with listeners in the past where they've reached out and mentioned this, but like, well, yeah, but I have a full time job, mm-hmm. or I have this reason, but they want to take advantage of these, or they want to have these goals, but they feel like they can't, because it has to look like this. Mm-hmm. better plan. But as you just said, it can be flexible. And that is a mm-hmm. part about trail running too.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And I hear it like, just like I said, from um, what Scott will talk about with runners, like a lot of them, like you said, have life things that pop up and it's just so great to know that your, your training plan can adapt to your lifestyle. You don't have to adapt your life to a training plan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's pretty fun that you have a coach just next door to you yeah, like, hey. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's kind of extra convenient because I'll literally be on the treadmill and like have a question <laughs> and ask him and like adapt something because I just learned like right at the you know or you know we're having breakfast and I'll like pick his brain on something so <laughs> it has been very helpful um and too because we're both training for the same race, so it's kind of fun in that in that regard too
1: yeah, so before we get into Western states and how you got in and your goal for that um the 200 miles, what is like the top two mental battles that came up for you that maybe you don't find in a hundred
0: mile that you have to be out there mm-hmm. for multiple days? So <laughs> when you're doing a hundred mile, you are likely going to see just two sunrises and one sunset <laughs> and a 200, you're going to see tons. And because of that, so much is going to happen from your first sunrise to your last sunrise. Like so many things, and I not to sound negative, but so many things can go wrong. And so what I've learned about 200 versus 100 is you have to be able to troubleshoot because so many things can go wrong and will go wrong. um, It's nice to have a plan B, even a plan C to just know how to adapt or how to troubleshoot that situation. Whereas and, and maybe just me, but in a hundred, I'm like, you know what? I just need to get to the next morning. I just need to get to like 6 AM. And once that sun comes up, I'll be fine. And we can just get to the finish. Um, but for a 200, it's like, you've got to troubleshoot for that day. Cause you've still got Saturday, Sunday and Monday to get to. So I would say having a couple extra plans in your back pocket is really key. Um, and a huge differentiator between, you know, how your mindset goes into 100 versus your mindset going into a 200, just knowing things that are going gonna to go wrong and knowing that you can figure it out as you go. I think that was huge. And then also a huge um, mindset trick for me was, I'm trying to think of like how to phrase it, but. I guess it is, it goes back to like the those small goals to reach the attainable goal and I like to tell people it's just you're just going from aid station to aid station though <laughs> in a two hundred those aid stations are a lot farther apart a <laughs> yeah. hundred mile hundred mile they might be like six eight maybe ten miles apart in a two hundred it's like twenty two miles so you could go like half a day um before you get to the aid station so um still I think that that mindset helps a lot is just knowing that you just need to get to the next aid station and then get to the next aid station and the next aid station so breaking it down into small pieces and you can even break it down even smaller than that if you're in like a really really deep dark low like it's just one step in front of the other just one step focus on those next little steps in front and then just keep that I don't know just keep that on on repeat because those little tiny steps are going to End up being a mile. It's going to be another five miles, another 10, 20 to the next aid station. I remember in Moab, it was towards the end of the race. I'm trying to think it was around mile 200. Um, we were climbing up this, the second biggest climb. It was like almost 5,000 feet that day, but it, it, we were getting almost to about 10,000 feet too. So, I, I mean, I was not only exhausted because I had been through two or going into the third night or so, no, going into the third or fourth night of sleep. I can't remember, but I was exhausted. Climbing just would not stop and just could not breathe either because you're, you're reaching a higher elevation. And I remember just having to stop like every 20 feet to catch my breath. And that was at the time that Scott was pacing me. me And and thank goodness he was just being so patient and understanding because I, I knew that he'd in that moment be able to sprint to the top and sprint his little way down but I was just struggling and I, I just kept reminding myself, like, I just have to keep taking this next step and next step. I don't know when the top of this where, is where we can start going down, but if I can just focus on these little steps in front, I'll be able to get to the next aid station. And luckily we got there. And also it was also one of the prettiest sections of the course that kind of helped too.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's just like the number one tool for every long distance race, even if it's a 50 k mm-hmm. right? You just have to break exactly. it down to what, what you can manage at the time. It's just the mental endurance to continue to break it down when, because Mm -hmm. I find as you get more fatigued, it's harder and harder for that thought of, oh my gosh, I have four Mm -hmm. more
0: consecutive marathons to run. Like that starts to just
1: (laughs) leak into your brain and you got to keep pushing it out.
0: It is sneaky how it'll, it'll keep creeping into your brain like that. Like I still have like 80 miles to go. <laughs> yeah. you're like, no, no that's no, no. still <laughs> a feat in itself. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. And, one, and th- two, one thing I kept noticing in the, in the two hundreds is like, because I kept taking a nap, um, in the night as my time, uh, in place to just get some rest before and during the next day, um, every day or every time I woke up, it just felt like groundhog's day. So I almost felt like stuck in this, um, I don't know, in this repeat of just like, and we get up and we go to the next day and I'm going to sleep and we get up and we go to the next day. Just kind of embracing that is, it might be a weird thought, but just like embracing that you're in this thing and you get to be in this cycle and you get to like experience this next day and get to experience this next place that you've never been to um, kind of was a way to just help me break out of this Groundhog's Day feeling like it's going to be a next day. It's going to be a new place to explore. And that, I don't know, made it a little motivating to me to get up and keep going to explore something new that next Groundhog's Day.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think you have to in a way that, yeah, you appreciate it because even though it is hard, there's also <laughs> nothing else that you really stress <laughs> in that moment. You don't have to look yes. at your phone and stress about work or anything you just get to focus on how you're going to move your mm-hmm. body which is awful and a lot to carry but yes. also like very nice and relaxing in a very weird way
0: it is no 100 percent um we'll say that a lot too like or when i say we scott and i like going into a race it's like i just oh, it's like a little uh vacation from the world i guess you mm-hmm. could say like yeah so go. And like step away and go to this whole other world with all these crazy, weird people. And you get to be in this weird (laughs) place with all these weird place, people having hallucinations and whatnot. And you just get to have this weird experience. And then you'll come back to the world eventually. But just like embracing and kind of like savoring that little world that you're in. um, Because it is kind of an escape or vacation to just kind of be free. And no matter what mile you're at.
1: And then what about physically? What was the most maybe shocking
0: or surprising physical pain that you found at that distance? Mm, I don't know if it was shocking. I knew it was going to happen. And it, it, it wasn't my feet. It wasn't my legs. Like that, all that was surprisingly fine. I had no feet pain or blisters. Um, luckily, knock on wood. I, I usually don't knock on wood again. <laughs> um it was my my shoulders from carrying so much for so long. For a 200, like I said, you're just, you're carrying so much weight from the water, from your food, from your gear, mandatory gear. There's there's always a mandatory gear list um, of stuff you have to have, like a, a emergency blanket, whistle, which is usually built in the vest. But Um, all that stuff adds up. And I I weighed my pack at one point and it was about nine pounds. So just knowing you're going to be carrying nine pounds on your shoulder by your neck. And it just, oh my God, it just hurts so bad by, you know, night two, day three, day four. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't say it was surprising, but it was something I was not looking forward to because I knew that was going to hurt the most. Yeah, that's fair. That's the reason I don't hike is the heavy pack. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> yeah. <carry> so much. <laughs> so how long were you out there, all told? Uh
0: 109 hours and I slept for eight hours total. Oh wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So your next big goal is
1: Western States.
0: It is, yeah. And it's what, a month away. Training yeah. camp this weekend.
1: <laughs> so how are you feeling for it? Because that's a bit of a shift, more runnable type, less climbing.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't remember how much climbing there was to Moab. I want to say it was like 23, 25,000, um, for 240 miles. And then for Western States, it's 17,000 up and then 23,000 down. Um, so there's a lot of downhill for this race. It's a net downhill course. And so a lot of the training we've been doing is just going up and down this one mountain here called Mount Ord. And it's what is it? it's about six and a half miles up and in those six and a half it's 2500 feet of climb so it's just this steady gradual um forest service road that goes to the top and then we just go right back down and that's that's what we've been doing almost every single weekend um so cool. training you
1: guys get to do this together like yeah it's
0: either. it's so funny too because we'll go out and you know for like four hours or so, and i'll get so many miles and scott's always almost double my amount of my <laughs> same amount of time I'm like yep that's that sounds about right <laughs> um Doesn't matter.
1: But yeah.
0: yeah so far training is going really well I to me this this is probably going to be my most challenging race um even more so than like the Moab 240 I think because of how much climbing there is in this race and because the first 30 miles are a little bit more technical than the last 70 and because it's a very hot race and we just you know we've been contacting people who we know who live in that area and who run on those trails have been saying because of the fires last year in the Canyon area, it's even hotter than it felt last year because there's no shade because the, yeah. the, the trees. And so I'm just like, hey, it's going to be so hot, <laughs> but it's okay. Cause I live in Phoenix. So I live on the sun basically. Um, so <laughs> I'm not too concerned about the heat more. So it's the amount of climbing you have to do in 30 hours or less. So that, that I'm, I'm going to have to have a real solid pacing job out there um, to get this done. But, I have confidence, but this will be the first race that I've worn like an ice bandana that I'm going to have cooling sleeves on. um, Just because that heat, it can, it can do some damage, especially with um, hydration and like your sodium balance. And so that's something I'm trying to avoid because if that's off, like it can throw off so many other things like your muscles and your digestion. And I'm, I'm notorious for digestion issues. So I'm trying to to do all that I can to just um, to just avoid anything and at all costs because um, I really one just want to finish this race and two I want to do the best job possible because I'm going in uh, with a partnership with GU and with Rising Hearts and so it's kind of this this big bigger mission than just the race um, to go in and and run it and do it to raise awareness for Indigenous women and Indigenous runners. Um, with Rising Hearts through this bib that I was granted um, from Western States. So there's a huge, um, just a a bigger mission involved than just, you know, getting to the finish line, but getting to the finish line is also a big goal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the representation that you are doing and running for Indigenous women is like whether or not you make it 30 miles in or not, like Mm -hmm. you're still doing so much for that community, you know, and some of that, Mm -hmm. I think is shown on your Instagram and the connection with the, with the trails and stuff there. And what do you think we can be doing as a trail running society in general to kind of honor that type of thing better?
0: Yeah. I think it's as simple as just like raising those runners voices. Like if you, if you know someone who um, is indigenous or, you know, of, you know, other ethnicities, it's like, supporting them or including them and and it's just kind of like being there as as support and as um a friend and um maybe it's also getting involved in in those communities too and and just being a part of it um i think it could be as simple as as just yeah as, as those kind of um things
1: yeah we had a runner lydia do you know Lydia? Mm-hmm. She's, she, she, i was gonna say wait a minute she was in arizona too yeah she's in tucson yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was, I loved the work that she was doing with it. And she came on and talked about um, the soils and the areas and the mm-hmm. feedback we got from that episode of people who are just like the appreciation for where they get to run after listening to her story was so huge. So it's mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome.
0: Yeah. She's, I was on a, a call with her, I guess a couple months ago and that was my first time, like actually, chatting with her with video and, and talking. So it was um, great to have her and Jordan from Rising Hearts on the same phone. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So
1: that's pretty, I mean, obviously these are goals within the next month. What mm-hmm. are your goals sort of
0: really long-term with running, especially having
1: already accomplished such amazing
0: things? Hmm. Um, well, long-term for the year, later in the year, I have my eyes on an FKT. And then I want to try the 48-hour distance um, but the more I've just put myself into the community and absorbed it and, you know, talked with people and and, and maybe influenced people to to do a 50K or the first 100 mile, um, I think long term, I just want to like build more inclusivity, especially around like body positivity and body inclusivity and, and diversity within running and, and ultra running, trail running, all of it. Um, to just show that it doesn't matter your, your body type, your age, your, your size, your ethnicity, ability, like anyone can do the the stuff that we do. Um, it's just kind of a matter of, of believing in yourself and, and, and knowing that it it is possible. Um, you just have to get out there and put that first step down and, and the rest will take care of itself.
1: yeah for sure and that is such, like that's such a huge goal and it feels sort of overwhelming in itself but all you can do is kind of set examples each day which is obviously what you're mm-hmm. doing right yeah so on <laughs> yes no you definitely are and on that note i mean if you look at the following that you've got on instagram and the feedback from people who are viewing that stuff i mean it's sinking in for sure mm-hmm. and so if people had the body image for example as a barrier for them to get out the door, what are kind of the the first steps that you suggest to people to get that first step? Cause
0: you're right. The rest, take care of itself. But that first step is so freaking hard. It is so hard. And yeah, it wasn't until recently when I, I just started thinking about um, like who I was back then to get out the door and start. And, you know, back then I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, I was almost like disgusted with how like I had ended up. And now I think about her back then. And I'm like, she, like, she's the one who took the first step. Not me, not me 200 pounds lighter, but her who had never done this before, who uh, hated running. And I don't know, I think about that. And nowadays I just have so much respect for, that person who I was for getting out the door and, and for putting on running shoes and believing that I could go run around the block or I could run a 5k around my neighborhood or I could sign up for the Chicago marathon. Um, (laughs) Like she believed that. And so I think it's like, I would tell people to just, and it's so hard to tell people like, don't care what other people think or don't care if you can't get it done or don't care if you you know, you fail the first time because who cares? And you can, then you get another opportunity to, to do it again and, and do it again and, and learn something. And I think like it's so it makes life so um, fulfilling to go out and suck at something and then to keep keep at it and keep at it and realize that you don't actually suck. You you actually can be amazing and, and inspiring and, and you're so much more powerful uh, than you may, might think that you are.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point. It's just, it's so much is mindset. And I think you can work up to that first step kind of just by talking through what you just said with yourself over and over again. Mm -hmm. And eventually it will sink in because the more you say it, the more you'll actually believe it. And I guess that's key. A hundred percent. So we are running out of time, but (laughs) I have a last few, that went really fast. You have so many good things. I feel like I could continue to ask more and more. So I'm, Definitely going to update our audience, definitely on how Western States goes. I think you're absolutely going to do super well. It sounds like you're very, very well prepared for that one more big training block, I guess. And then it's taper time, yes. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: <laughs> I know I'm in a um, recovery phase right now. So I only did 30 minutes this morning and it felt so weird. But I know I'm like, you know what? You've got a lot of miles this weekend. So just calm down.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it switches to the hardest part is not taking the steps, eh? I know. Yep, exactly. So, if you could describe trail running in three words, what would they be?
0: Ooh. Um. Hmm. Like do they have to make sense? Like could I say exploring is one word? Yeah, they don't have to be connected. Okay. I would say exploring. Um I would say welcoming. Oh, good one. Um let's see, trail running. I'm going to say life-changing. <laughs> okay. I like it. It's funny. I've had
1: so many interviews and I always ask this question and very few times do words get repeated. Um, like That's lots awesome. of the same gist, but everybody's got a different take, which I love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very everybody last makes question. their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they all sort of come around this idea of like freedom and enjoyment, but also pain and suffering. and <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. The weird thing
1: that brings us all together. <laughs> yeah, um, But if you... When you're finishing 240 miles, what is the
0: most exciting post-race meal that you are looking forward to? Ooh, probably pizza. <laughs> I'm pretty – it, yeah, I'm pretty classic in that, like, pizza would be – would hit the spot for sure. But it's funny because when I finished Moab, I had zero appetite for, like, a week. Oh, yeah, um, I bet. It was cool. the weirdest sensation. And then, like, a week or so went by, and all of a sudden I was ravenous. <laughs> but or, like – three weeks probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent.
1: So this has been so much fun. Um, I love chatting with you. If our listeners want to find more from you, uh, plug all your stuff, Instagram, if you have website, other places, um, where can they follow along?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would make it simple. The easiest place is probably Instagram. Um, I'm Callie Vinson on, on the Insta with two N's at the end. So
1: Okay. Awesome. Well, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And best of luck in Western States for you and your partner. Um, And I'm excited to see how you do.
0: Heck yeah. Thank you so much.